The podcast for regular Joes, couch potatoes, and self-proclaimed sports analysts that live sports. This is Mama's Basement Sports Talk with Shannon Coward. Every Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Mama's Basement. I'm your host, Shannon Coward, and we got a lot of topics to get into today. Yo, should LeBron and the Cavs be worried about their performance last night? Duke loses three straight to unranked teams. And we still don't know where Johnny's going. Let's talk sports, baby. So let's start in the NBA with LeBron James and the Cavs. LeBron ends the game with his worst plus or minus in his career. They had the largest deficit in his career at 43. And they get blown out by 35. Didn't even play the fourth quarter. And I basically want to start out with LeBron James in this instance. He is the king, okay? We, we expect so much of him, but 16 points is never going to get it done. You can't blame anybody else on the team. Now, I see Kevin Love only had five points. He had five shots. He literally took five shots. They don't even give the Kevin Love the ball. Five, uh, points, five shots in this game, 10 shots against the Spurs the last game, and 16 the first game when the game was close. Right there, you got you have to give Kevin Love the ball if you want him to be part of the team. You can't just say he needs to be part of the team. He has to play defense. Nobody likes to play defense without shooting the ball, especially not an offensive player. LeBron, LeBron James, without him playing his best game, the worst plus minus in his career. Should the Cavs be worried? I would say they should. Not because they don't have the talent, but if LeBron James, if you can't guarantee 30 points a game from LeBron James, then there's no way they can win the finals against a team like the Spurs, a team against Golden State. I'm saying even some teams in the East look might like they might be formidable against this team. Not to mention, Kyrie Irving stays hurt. He's just coming back in. Um, they expect him to do so much, but I it's going to take him some time to get back in the flow of the game. But let's check out LeBron James' stats against um, possible teams that he'll face in the finals. Golden State, 16. This game, January 18th, he put up 16 points, 7 for 16, 0 for 3 from the three-point line, and three turnovers. Like, this is his problem right here. Three turnovers. He can't shoot the ball. He can only hit layups. LeBron, if you're going to be the best player in the world, if you're going to get four or five rings, you're going to have to get that three-point jumper better. You have to shoot better, period, and less turnovers. He's not even a point guard. Against San Antonio, he put up 22. Nine for 17 from the field. One from three for the three-point line. Four turnovers. The last time they played against Golden State, put up twat, put, put up 25. 10 for 26 from the field. One for, for five from three-point line with four turnovers. Like this, LeBron, we don't know. Averaging 25 points a game. 29, uh, 29% from the three-point line. 29% from the three-point line. That's not going to get it done because right now he's one-dimensional. Force him to drive, make him shoot a pull-up jumper or something like that, and he'll ruin it. When it's, when it's four seconds left in the game, he'll take a fadeaway three-pointer. He'll take a fadeaway shots. He will not find the right shot. He does not know where his best shots are, and that's a problem. We talk about IQ, and this is a problem with me and LeBron talking about IQ. We talk about IQ, but if he had a great basketball IQ, he would never, ever, ever take a three-point shot 
with four seconds left on the game, and he's the king, LeBron James, at, what, 6'8", 250 pounds. Man, that's crazy. So don't blame anybody else but LeBron James. He's averaging 25 points with three turnovers a game. That's not the king. That's not the king of this league. And if he thinks he's the best player in the world, he needs to come out and show it, which we all do know he has it in him, but he always waits for the playoffs. He likes. He's one of those turn-it-on players. And uh, the thing is, this is a, a show. This is art. It needs to bring it every night. Them people paid their money, and he let everybody in Cleveland down last night. The whole team let people down. But for me, it's King James. When we talk about David Blatt, everybody wants to get on David Blatt's case. David Blatt doesn't have any power. LeBron James thinks he knows what he's doing. He comes in and gets his butt whipped. No, give David Blatt the real reins. If, if LeBron James did something crazy, there's nothing David Blatt can do. He has no real power. He's just a figurehead. He won some championships in Israel, but that's not uh, USA basketball. We They make a lot more money here, and they're more arrogant. So even LeBron James is not that arrogant. On the court, he needs to be more arrogant. He needs to take over more. He needs to score more points. If he does not score 30 points a game, they don't have a chance in doing all the things that they had planned. So should the Cavs be worried? They should be really worried because they just don't have the team. From top to bottom, their team is nowhere near Golden State, Spurs, maybe even OKC. But I'm loving the NBA this year. You almost really don't know what's going to happen. The East is a lot stronger with uh, the emergence of the Heat, the Bucks, the Bulls, and the Pacers. And Paul George, you got to give much love. Shout out to Paul George. I did not think he was going to be that great coming back after his leg broke and came out of his skin. So big shout out to Paul George playing great. Great basketball, shooting at a very high percentage. If he can shoot, tell me why LeBron can't shoot 40% from the three. Why are you only shooting 29%? That's shameful. And after all these years in the league, your your shooting percentage should be way higher. And he knows that. You're out there on a banana boat with Dwayne Wade and his girl and Chris Paul instead of getting your three-point shot right. But I digress. Let's hear some of the scores for tonight's games. Miami's favorite over Milwaukee by five and a half. Under and over is 193. I'm rolling with Miami. I, I like, I really do like Miami this year. I love Hassan Whiteside and his story, and D Wade and Drogic. They really picked up some great key pieces. Man, I only wish that Luau Ding was what he used to be. This would be a great team. I would go under on this 193. Two great defensive teams. Milwaukee was a lot better defensively last year, but Miami with Hassan Whiteside, he tries to grab and block everything. So be looking out for that game tonight. The Pacers are favored to beat Phoenix by seven points with the under and over at 209. I'm rocking with Indiana. Paul George, this two unstoppable. And Phoenix really haven't been the same team since uh, Bledsoe went down. So I'm going with Indiana Pacers a lot more. Um, firepower, seven points, that can be done. Um, 209, definitely can be done with no defense on either one of these teams. So I'm rocking with Indiana. Um, Minnesota, underdogs against New Orleans Pelicans by five with the under and over at 203. Now this game, I got to go with the Minnesota. That's an underdog, but I got to go with Minnesota on this game. They've been playing better every single game. By five points, I, I think they can lose by less than five points, honestly. And 203, I'm going to go with the under on that 203. 
these teams both can go through extreme droughts. Um, so, careful on that game. I'm going to go with Minnesota. OKC is favored to win by nine points against Denver Nuggets. I'm going to go with OKC, but let me tell you something about OKC, in my opinion. They go through droughts because they have no team. They only have a few players. Um, after the first starting lineup comes out, there's a big drop-off on talent and hard work, to be honest with you. They don't have a full team. They don't have a chance to win a championship. They don't have a chance to even compete with Golden State or Spurs. But in this game, favored by nine, I would go with OKC. Um, I, I do believe they can win by nine. In the two, uh, 213 under and over, I'm going to go with over. Because OKC don't play defense either. They don't play defense. They just go and score. They come at you, they come at you, and come at you. But if you stop Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook, you slow them down, you got a chance to win the game. I'm going with OKC, but in a close one. Um, let's go to some football. Now, I'm very interested into hearing where do my listeners think Johnny Menzel is going to go. Dallas seems like a great place. Like, I understand he's a drinker and all this, which kills me because everybody's on his case about drinking and this. But if he was, see, this is the point. He needs to get his football thing down because when you become a professional athlete, first and foremost, you're known for your athletics. Nobody cares what you do. LeBron James is probably a better businessman than he is a basketball player. So is Michael Jordan. That's how Michael Jordan wants to be known as a, a, a businessman. Then a basketball legend, but that's not how it goes. So Johnny Menzel, he's a drinker. He likes to party. But if he was winning, nobody would have a problem with this. But the the fact is, he hasn't been in the league that long, and he hasn't been winning. So I, I just want I'm interested in to know where do the people think he's gonna go? Uh, Dallas, Houston. He can go to anything to me as long as they're paying him, get that check. Um, he's a winner in life to me. Drinking, he's young. Um, I, Drinking and and partying in Vegas. That's why. That's why you get the money. Okay, I understand the NFL paid this man, so he should do his due diligence and take care of the team, take care of his body, uh, get right for the season. But let this man do what he want outside. If he if he comes in and plays a football game, doesn't get injured, then let him do what he thinks. Just know it's coming with the package. But the NFL is very funny with things like this because Johnny Mazzell is cool, but they don't even let my man Tim Tebow in. And okay. If you guys know me, if, if whoever knows me personally understands that I am a huge, huge, huge Tebow fan. Tebow should be in the NFL right now. He, he's way better than color. Don't even get me started. I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and Lord do I wish we had Tim Tebow right now doing his Tebowing in the end zone, praying to God, all whatever he does to bring fanfare, to bring fun and excitement to the game. He should still be in the NFL. So if he's not in the NFL, Johnny Menzel, be very, very careful and be very, very worried. Work your ass off in the offseason. Get back right. Get back to being a player you were at Texas A&M. And give us something to, to cheer about, man. We're rooting for you, brother. So Mike McCarthy comes out and says Eddie Lacy was fat. And he can't come back fat. Pretty much is, is his words. And um, I, find, I find this funny. Because when I see Eddie Lacy, he's really chunker than me. And I think... In the offseason, is he trying to put on this weight? Is him and Marshawn, because Marshawn Lynch can lose a little bit of weight too, but I'm wondering, do they need that weight? Does that weight help them push through the line, uh, be more physical, stronger, more of an impact when you come through that little hole? Is he is he getting that weight for a reason, or is he just being lazy and being fat? Which this also might come to a deeper point that 
if Eddie Lacy is not doing everything he can in all season to take care of his body, he could be a better player. The fact that if Eddie Lacy was a hundred percent at his best best weight, health, and in best shape, could he actually have had a chance to help the Packers win the championship? If you look at that game, they really had a chance. And if Eddie Lacy puts in that touchdown, which he just ran out of gas pretty much, they do win. You know, but that that goes to the NFL in general because it's not an easy sport, and the weight does help some people. But you have to come in in season in shape at your best shape. Not only that, though, the, this is the crazy part. We all, like most athletes who don't play professionally, always want to play professionally. We would do whatever it takes to come in and be the best uh, people we are. Um, so he needs to uh, take care of that. My next topic is Cam Newton. People are still getting on Cam Newton. Still want to hate on Cam Newton for being uh, pretty much black. That's what it comes down to. They hate on him because he's being black. And this venue I have right here, He's a black man, okay? He likes to celebrate. People forget that the NFL is for entertainment. This is so much fun. Seeing them dance, seeing them have fun, seeing them be disrespectful. Just like everybody else says, if you don't want him to dance, if you don't want him to dab, if you don't want him to be himself, this exuberant, uh, lifeful life black man, then, then turn out the channel. Don't worry about him because he's going to keep winning. This is just the beginning of seeing Cam do his thing. And... People see all them white quarterbacks not celebrate, not have fun, and they think that's the way to do it. That's not you do it how you want to do it. Cam is is so much fun to watch. He's bringing so much fun to the NFL, which I feel like the NFL is trying to take all the fun out of it. Everything that people loved about the game, they seem to take out of it. The hits, they take out of it. The defense, people playing strong, aggressive defense, they take they take that out of it. Um, plays. Certain plays you can't even run. They take the fun out of the game. So, Cam, keep doing your thing. There will always be haters. I just don't understand. Like, this dude's playing so great. He gives so much back. He always has a smile on his face. Let him play. We all love his charismatic ways. Uh, We love his aura. He's a superstar, okay? And I just, all the people that think that Cam Newton is somewhat disrespectful, well, have your team stop his team. How about that? How about your team beat his team? How about you knock him out of the playoffs, and then you can shut him up? So the Eagles picked Doug Patterson as their head coach, who's an understudy of Andy Reid, uh, played backup quarterback to Donovan McNabb for a few years for the Eagles, and another white guy who really doesn't have um, the cachet to really be a head coach but gets the job. And we have to understand that the NFL is all about relationships, okay? It's not a fair trial or, um, you know, it's not fair at all. It's owners who have all the money. They pick the people that they like. They pick their friends. They pick the people that they like first and foremost to give the jobs like every other thing in life. So the Rooney Rule doesn't even help the aspiring black coach. It just gives them a deterrent and a, a blockade. For the next team to look at and say, oh, well, he's been interviewed by every team in the league, and he, he he didn't get hired, so why should we hire this black man? So it's up to black players to, to have the fortitude to want to be coaches, want to be leaders, and looking to get to that top spot, which really is the GM. The GM makes a lot of decisions for most of these teams, and they're white, so they're going to pick their white friends. They're not going to pick somebody they don't know or especially they don't like over a white guy who they like, they adore, they're friends with, they know they have a background with. So 
Um, I just want to put some exposure on this Rooney Rule because really it's a deterrent because most of the time they're giving interviews and with a 100% chance of not giving this black man a job, it just makes a black man look bad as if he failed another interview. So, so please give me some feedback on the Rooney Rule. Um, I'm interested in hearing how you guys feel about it and how you feel about black leadership in the NFL, if, if it even matters. I'm, I'm interested in hearing about it. So please leave your feedback. So let's get to the scores of the Super Bowl early. Um, Vegas has Denver as a three-and-a-half point underdog with a 44 over and under, which makes a lot of sense because New England looks unstoppable. Their defense also looks hungry. They have weaknesses, but they look very hungry and Brady has all his pieces back. Edelman looks like he, he threw Edelman the ball a lot for not being played in a, a few games. So, um, in New England's going to probably beat him by at least two Super Bowls. And this is a great possibility. That's the forty. It's going to be over forty-four points. I don't see New England not scoring. Um, and I see Denver barely scoring enough to get to over forty-four points. Um, Carolina's a three and a half point favorite against Arizona with a forty-eight over and under. I'm going to go with Big Cam. Arizona didn't look good. Um, they pushed Carson Palmer some very, very tricky spots that um, he just didn't show that he was a Super Bowl quarterback. He looked really good all year, a possibly MVP candidate. But um, playoffs, he doesn't act. He doesn't play like the Carson Palmer we know. He did some good things at the end of the game, but I've got to go with Carolina, who are oh, the defense is really hungry. The offense is stacked with Cam Newton. He, he can do anything. He can bring any team back. He's looking great. And 48 over. I say over because I feel like Carolina was going to put up big numbers in the first half like they always do. They always smoke the other team in the first half, and the defense kind of lets the foot off the brick and slowly but surely lets the team back. Um, so over 48 points. Um so let's transition to sports. And I hear a lot of sports analysts say there's no great teams, only good teams. Well, Kansas is a great team. Syracuse actually is a really good team. Some of these teams are so underrated. They're actually really good. And I love all the NBA coaches that have went to the college basketball. I only wished I would have knew what I knew then to check out and go maybe find a coach that has some connections to overseas or the NBA. Um, we got Avery Johnson, uh, Mullins, great NBA minds going to coach the college basketball game. So I'm loving that. But I want to start with my favorite team, of course, who I said yesterday was going to win the national championship, and that's Duke. Three straight losses to unranked teams haven't happened since the 70s. First Three, um, three game losing streak since 06-07. and we got a lot of problems going on with this Duke team. So, but here's the main problem: the, the same reason and the same problem I have with LeBron James, I have with my boy Grayson Allen. When when Grayson Allen scores 20 points, we win. These last two games, he didn't score 20 points. The whole team looks really lackadaisical, which you don't really get from a, a Coach K team. They come out. They don't have a lot of energy. They think they just come in and they have the Duke name. They can win the game. Let me let me read out some of these stats. Assists per game, 13.8, which is 156 in the nation. 156 in the nation at 13-point assists. So we don't pass the ball. Okay, Grayson Allen passes the ball all the time, but as a team, we don't pass the ball, and we don't pass the, the ball at times, to score. I see the team, we thin around a lot. 
Duke stands around the whole game. Grayson Allen stands on that corner and doesn't move. We need to get some movement on the offense. And that's not um, a normal Coach K team. Um, uh, points allowed, 70.4. 158th in the nation. We're one of the worst teams in the nation for letting people score. So we score. But we can't stop nobody from scoring. Everybody, every, the Saris teams come into Cameron Indoor Stadium, put up 70, 80, even 90 points on us, and have a chance to win. Mm-mm-mm. This is 165 straight AP polls being ranked. And it's going to be the first time in a long time that Kentucky and Duke isn't ranked. So I need some feedback on this morning. So do people believe that the, it's the one and dones? That's bringing this to happen. Because if you look at all the good teams, Oklahoma, Kansas, they all have at least three or four people that are, you know what I mean, juniors and seniors. They have older veteran teams. The young teams are the ones getting their butts kicked. Even though last year, the one done for the teams that are whooping everybody's butt. This year, it's the, the young teams, the teams with lots of freshmen and sophomores, even with talent, just cannot get it done. Um... So I just want to uh, put a little bit out there about Duke. I'm going to go down some scores, a lot of games being played in college basketball tonight. But we need Duke to come out with a lot more heart and fight. You're, just because you're Duke doesn't mean you're going to win. You actually have to beat these teams. Because every time Duke comes into that, comes into your house or you come into theirs, everybody's going to bring their A game. Everybody's going to want to knock off Duke. I don't care if you're ranked, even when you're not ranked. They're going to try to knock off Duke, one of the best legendary programs in college basketball history. So um, I'm going to need them to step their game up big, big time. Let me know uh, feedback. What is it about these these younger teams this year that they cannot get it done? The last few years, the one and done's been great. Uh, Calipari has had these one and done's that have taken them very far. What is it about this year? Is it that their talent on the one and done's aren't that great? Um, or is it just that? Teams see these these young guys and they really go at them. So I'm gonna need uh, some feedback. So let's see some of the top 25 scores on college basketball tonight. We got Indiana going against Illinois. Indiana's favored by 11 and a half points. I'm picking Indiana, but I don't think they're gonna win by 11 and a half points. They score and they score a lot, but they can go through droughts and they they have times where they can't stop. Other teams, they get loosey goosey on the defensive end, and that also affects them on the offensive end. So, Indiana can really lose any team to me, but I'm going to favor them 11 and a half points against Illinois. I'm going to say they're going to win, but not with, uh, by 11 and a half points. Kansas versus Oklahoma State. Kansas is favored by nine and a half points. I'm going to go with Kansas. I'm going to go with the nine and a half points. Um, Kansas is really good with a lot of veterans, and they're very athletic and long. Oklahoma State just doesn't have it. Um, the squad, the length, or the athleticism to stay nine and a half points close to Kansas. South Carolina is favored by one point over Mississippi. Um, South Carolina is pretty good. And we're not sure if they're really a ranked team yet, but against Mississippi, yes, they can win. And a one point, of course, they're going to win by two points probably. Virginia is favored against Clemson. Clemson. They're not ranked yet, and Clemson actually is pretty good. So let's let's do an upset on this one. Let's say Clemson beats Virginia, which is highly unlikely, but I like Clemson. I like Clemson. They've been doing good work. They've beat a few ranked teams. So give me Clemson in the big underdog. 
Maryland versus Northwestern. Maryland is favored by 12 and a half. They got my homeboy Suleiman from Duke um, on some racy things. Uh, I, I don't I don't really know what Suleiman did, but some things came out of Duke that wasn't favorable. But I guess he was good enough at basketball for Maryland to still pick him up. They wanted to win that much, and they're favored by 12 and a half points. I'm going to go with Maryland, and that 12 and a half points is very doable. They might even win by 20. Xavier versus Georgetown. Xavier's favorite to win by 10 points. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Xavier. Georgetown, they've been a letdown ever since uh, Big Daddy didn't left. Um, I, I don't see Georgetown. They don't get the recruits they used to get. They don't get the players they used to get. And they don't play with the heart they used to play with. They looked really good earlier in the season playing against uh, lower competition. But in this Xavier game, um, I don't see them standing a chance. But I do see them stand within 10 points. So, 10-point underdog. Georgetown will keep it in 10 points. But Xavier will win. SMU versus Houston. You know what SMU is with Larry Brown is on the bench. 13-point um, favorites against Houston. Houston had such a great um, history and reputation back in the day with all the good uh, players, Grandma Ma, Larry Johnson. Um, but they're just, they don't get the recruits. They don't get the Houston players that they used to get. Every once in a while, they get one here and there. But back in the day, they used to get all the talent. So SMU by 13. Yeah, let's say yes on that. Let yes to the win for SMU and yes to winning by 13 points. So I want to touch base on a couple of topics from baseball, one being Pete Rose being inducted into the Circle of Honor for the Cincinnati Reds, and Rachel Robinson, who is Jackie Robinson's wife, talks a little bit about race and sports, okay? So first I want to talk about Pete Rose. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best hitters of all time, regardless if he was betting on his games or whatever games. He was still hitting the ball. He was hitting. He's probably one of the best players that ever touch a bat. He knew where the ball was coming. He knew he was so detailed in his preparation in hitting the baseball that yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan, and I don't care if you did steroids. I don't care if you um, bet on games. If you hit that ball, which none of that can help, steroids. Betting on getting none of that can help you hit the ball. He was hitting the ball. He hit more than anybody. He got more hits than anybody. He could perfectly place the ball. He's a great legend of all time. They need to put him in the Hall of Fame. It's only going to help baseball. Like, I hate that person who thinks you holding him out is going to help. So who's going to help? It's not helping anybody. It's only hurting the game because we want to see him. We want to do more events for Pete Rose. And the more, the longer you hold him out, the less we can do that. So, Give me your feedbacks about Pete Rose also. Rachel Robinson came out to, um, today and said that we need more black people in baseball. And this has been a problem for quite a few years. When I was growing up um, watching baseball and playing baseball, we had people like Frank Thomas, Big Hurt. We had King Griffey Jr. We had Sammy Sosa. We had all these big-name people that helped rise the sport and made people want to watch the sport. But that's why baseball is not doing well now is because we don't have the black players. We don't have the the, the esteemed black athlete. We don't have the King Griffey having his sho uh, shoes out. We don't have the big players that that bring the fanfare. And Richard Robson is right. Um, 
we don't have any black we hardly have any black GMs, black owners. Like it's the same problem with football. It's a top top to bottom type uh dimension that we just don't have black people in the game anymore. And and baseball being the worst because baseball used to be almost half black. Lots of black people used to be, play baseball. We used to get our kids to play baseball. Like out of all sports, your kids would at least had to have played baseball at five years old or t ball or something like that. So, um, big kudos to Rachel Robinson for coming out after Martin Luther King Day, which she can come out any day. She could came on Martin Luther King Day. It don't matter to me. Come out and let people know that. This is a travesty that the wife of the man who got black people in the league has to come out and say that we need to do better. And that's that's saying a lot that she comes out, she puts the MLB on blast and lets people know that they're not black people are no longer included in this game. The game is not the same game that we used to once love. And we don't have the same superstars. We don't have hardly any black superstars that's on the front page. Um, they don't even push to get black athletes in baseball no more. So, hey, their numbers are dropping. We might know why. So le- let me know some feedback on how you feel about the, the, the future of the MLB, the NFL, as it pertains to the black athlete, the black leader, coach, um, GM, assistant coaches, um, coordinator for the NFL. Let me know how you guys feel about that because, uh, you know, I'm interested in hearing. So, tennis is a little spicy this week. Um, Nadal loses in a long time, which last year Nadal did not look like himself. He lost a lot of matches and a lot of games that he's used to winning, and he actually lost on clay a couple times last year. Which is not like a Nadal. Nadal is a very good clay. Some years he even went undefeated on clay. So we're looking for him to come back or to see if that knee injury and that knee surgery he had is going to affect him moving forward. He's he's not that young, but he's not that old, and he has a really bright future still going, knowing that it's tennis. And um, he lost to Verdasco. It's a and a big time upset. But last year, Nadal had quite a few upsets. And he just could not get his brain and his body to work together. So we're going to look forward to seeing Nadal and um, how he goes for the rest of the season. Um, Venus lost on the first round knockout, which is a big upset. And she came in ranked eighth. Um, Last year, she had a lot of issues with health and being sick. Um, So we're wondering how she's going to look this year. She played really good against uh, Serena last year. I literally thought she could beat Serena I think she gave her pass, letting her go through, just like the next person uh, beat Serena. I, I really think that Venus could have beat Serena last year. She looks very powerful, and she looks a lot stronger um, than before she left. She looks very, very good. So we're hoping a recovery, uh, a great recovery, a great comeback season for really Nadal and um, Venus, because both of them, we have high expectations for both, and we know they can play great. So we're looking at. Um, what they can do this coming year. But I really want to talk about tennis because Djokovic told the media that somebody offered him 200 k to throw a match. Now, we hear a lot about this in soccer, but we don't hear about so much in tennis, you know, and, and I just want the feedback on um, what got, what people think about tennis players and the fact that 
they're right under they're right there with all the other sports with people trying to pay them to throw matches and and give up games and even somebody as big as Djokovic like you have to know that's not an option but obviously it's, it is an option if the person got to him and actually uh knows that he, he was offered 200,000 uh 200k just for to throw one match so i really want some feedback on Djokovic even knowing that somebody offered him 200k i don't really know it happens in soccer it happens in a lot of sports boxing how dirty is tennis we don't know we don't know if they're throwing them we don't know how much these these people are paying them to throw matches so i'm really interested in knowing if anybody knows about the dirty side of tennis especially somebody like Djokovic getting offered all this money to throw some games. That's very interesting to me. We, It just it blows my mind. I wonder who else has these other offers. Um, I like tennis. And when I see Djokovic, he looks way more athletic than anybody on the court to me personally. He looks taller. His arms look longer. His muscle definition looks more defined. He looks more like an athletic tennis player like he could have played any other sport more so than anybody else in the men's game we already know serena is the top person on beat we're looking for the career grand slam um we're looking for really big things we're looking for her to make up for that one loss last year so um i just want to talk a little bit about tennis i want to talk about Djokovic. the big losses already early in the season and i, I need feedback on the dark side of tennis so help me out let me know thank you so as i wrap things up i want to thank you guys for listening to the second episode of mama's basement i want to give my homeboy ace boom a shout out for helping me out with this podcast today and please leave me feedback y'all gonna help me be successful without y'all i can't so please leave feedback please leave me some uh, comments and debate me or whatever and be tuned for the next episode Thank you very much.